welcome to the 10th edition of the Stay Hot podcast of 10th Region Weekly with Evan Dennison. And this week we have Augusta head coach Jason Hensel with us. And coach, um, is it safe to say that the Panthers have got their groove back? I've seen people talk about it on Twitter this week. You've won four in a row. And two of those four wins have come against Scott and Rowell, who I consider, you know, two pretty good basketball teams. I still think Scott's way better than what their record indicates. And I know Keaton Belcher does a good job with Rowell. So after those four wins, would you say it's safe to say that the Panthers are rolling? I mean, I think we're playing better. I mean, <clears throat> we've had just a roller coaster of a season and, you know, with injuries and COVID and, you know, so many other things going on. I, I think that, we finally got some consistency back with having Riley and, you know, getting some kids used to each other. And I just think that we're playing really well and starting to hit where we need to be. And, you know, obviously this, this uh, kind of slowed us down a little bit again, but, you know, getting back in the gym and having a couple of days practice to get ready for Harrison County will be another great test for us this week. Coach, just talk about the season, you know, so far, just the ups and the downs. I mean, you guys start out seven and four, go through a lull where you go, I think, one and six, and then now, uh, you know, you've won four in a row. You know, just talk about the ups and the downs, you know, that you guys have had. You know, I think anytime you you deal with, with a season of when you have injuries, you know, since I've been doing this, I, I can't remember a year where – you know, one of your key component players goes down with Riley going down and not really, you know, uh, it, it looked very minimal when he fell. And you know, not having him, I, th I think we all were dependent upon him to, to rebound. And I think it really affected us and how, how to get back into playing, playing small when you're used to playing big and putting in your sets and, putting in things geared around Riley and then have to change it all and, you know, defensively struggling. You know, even though I felt like in the MCIT, we didn't play terrible. Um, we just didn't win. So it wasn't like until after the MCIT when, I don't know, maybe fatigue and then, you know, trying to get ready for the Class A. And, and let's be honest, I mean, Losing a two-point game to Bracken without Riley on their home court, yeah, it was disappointing. We kind of felt like whoever won that game had a great chance to win it. Even though we lost, we still felt like, hey, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. I mean, and and listen, with all due respect, Bracken's a great basketball team and played well and, and played very well and played very hard and. So we're pretty pleased with our team, you know, up to this point. And I think any season, the ups and downs, and, you know, I think Kaysen being a senior and Evan being a senior, you know, those things set in. You know, Kaysen went through a spell there where he was struggling a little bit. And I think it's hard for a senior to, to realize this is it, you know. And, you know, for dad, you know, I've separated being dad and coach for a long time. It's been very difficult to separate dad, senior son, this is it. And very emotional. Senior night was complete hell. Uh, it, it's just been very rough. And seeing mom 
you know, uh, upset. And it, it's just, it's tough. It, it's tough. And so, um, you know, ups and downs, it's been a huge roller coaster. We're, we're bound to have something good happen. I don't know what it's going to be, but we, we, we deserve something, man. It, it's been rough, but you know, we got to get through it, you know, and I, I keep, t- keep telling our kids, we got to keep digging, got to keep working and good things will happen. In this little stretch you've had, I, I've noticed it on the defensive end. And, you know, this is something we talked about before the season even started. Obviously, you knew to get where you wanted to be, it had to improve on that end. I mean, the offense has never been an issue. I don't think it was an issue even when you guys maybe were in a little rut. But that defensive end is obviously where you guys need to hang your hat and where you're going to be uh, a serious threat come postseason. So what have you maybe seen over the last week or two on that end, because you look at the scores, you're only giving up 51, 52, you know, 60, and then 57 to a rival team that just guns away from three-point range. You, you know, we 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 really worked on defense early on in the season and definitely something we, we've really worked on lately. We, we, we know we can score. We just have to rebound better. And, and like Sam Ellsworth says, you know, rebounding is part of defense. You, you've got to get the rebound. You know, defense doesn't end until you get the ball. And I think that was some of our problem. Given two, three, four chances each time, every time we didn't get a rebound or didn't hustle for a ball or didn't get a 50-50 ball, they hit a three. I think that's been the big thing. Everybody's quick to point out, you know, when you're losing, it's easy to kick you when you're down. And Augusta's a community that they're very supportive, but – You know, things aren't going our way. They're quick to point out, oh, we're not diving for loose balls. We're not winning 50-50 balls. I'm not coaching hard. I'm not, you know, all these things, you know, all go hand in hand. And I I think just the the bottom line is the defense has been better. The 50-50 balls have been better. Obviously, with Riley back, the rebounding's been better. When you can funnel that help, and you can funnel and you get beat on the dribble and you've got Colin and you've got Riley standing there, it obviously affects what we're doing. You know, when Colin's the only one down there, you know, on help and Riley's not there, there, there's a big difference. But I think those two being able to alter some shots and rush some people has been a big difference down the stretch. And, you you know – we know what we've got to do. We've got to defend. We've got to block out. We've got to rebound. And I think if we're able to do those things, great things can happen for us. And, and, and obviously this week with Scott, you know, I think getting everybody back against Campbell and then getting our butt kicked real good, we all panicked. Like, oh, gosh, you know, like we thought we could play within 10 points of them, and we didn't. So – you, you know, so then we see Scott plays him to the buzzer, and now, oh Lord, you know we we don't go play. We're we're gonna get our tails beat, and we just came out. Obviously, playing at home's a different story for us. We always seem to be ready to play at home. So, you know, being able to to pull out a big win against Scott, I thought was huge. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever been able to beat Scott. So. I think there's only two other teams that 
that, that we've been able to we failed to beat in 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 my tenure as a coach. What bet you can guess bet you can guess one of them. <laughs> yeah, the same one that everybody else has probably had trouble beating. <laughs> what uh I lost my train of thought trying to think of the team. <laughs> Well, it's GRC and Montgomery, so there you oh, go. Oh, MoCo too? Okay. I'm surprised you guys – I thought you had MoCo on the schedule this year, but I don't know if that might have got snowed out or COVID. You no, know, we didn't have them on there. I've tried to get one with them, and it hasn't worked out. Maybe, maybe the regional tournament. Never know. Wanted to hit on Kaysen. It looks like his play has really improved during this stretch. And, and like you said, I mean, yeah, he's a senior, but – I think maybe this is now his time. He's starting to realize, hey, man, I've only got five, six, whatever, how many games left. And it seems like he's really flipped that switch. And and I think he's one of those players that come postseason time, you know, he, he's ready to put someone on his back and, you know, someone someone that can can do that. And, and obviously he's going to be hungry for it because, I mean, he's he's been so close. In district tournaments. Yeah, he, you know, against Scott, they really came out and was physical with him early on. and I mean, literally face guarding him the whole time. Still able to get 20. I don't know how he got 20. And then against Ryle, you know, he really put us on his back. LJ twisted his ankle, went out in the early third quarter, never came back. You know, we were, you know, we, we had a lead, and it slowly dwindled away, and he kind of put us on his back and got a couple big buckets, and then uh, Kylan got in the passing lane in a tie game and went down and got an and one, made the free throw and got us a three-point lead, and that's kind of where, where it ended. But, you know, yeah, I think Kaysen's getting to that point where let's go, you know, give me the ball, get out of the way, and he usually doesn't do that. But against Ryle, I thought – Every time we needed a big bucket, he went and got it. And being on the road down there, uh, that's a beautiful place, by the way. I'd never been there. Uh, you know, that was a that was a big win for us to go on the road and and be able to 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 pull out a victory and hold on to victory for sure. Coach, speaking of big wins on the road, Wednesday you go to Harrison County, and uh, when I say big, I'm talking about the fact that they got guys that are six 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 ten. Um, prayers for Blaine Biddle. He had a gruesome injury at Robertson County this week. And, you know, I think he probably broke his ankle. I haven't heard for sure yet, but, uh, no contact just kind of came down on a rebound, looked real bad, but, uh, you know, Harrison County, not only big, they're also really physical. So, um, you know, winning four in a row, you know, like I said, a tough one at, at Ryle, that's a big win. Um, what do you think you got to do when you go to Harrison County Wednesday? Because that to me is probably going to, uh, solidify, you know, you all back in the top five because I think you're playing really well. Always felt like your talent was there. Um, so when you go to Harrison County Wednesday, what do you think the key thing is you have to do? Well, I think you got to rebound. That's for sure. And match their physicality. I think the last two, last four games we've played, we, we've asked our kids to play with a, a, a toughness. I think that's been the big thing. Play, playing with toughness and just giving, a, giving all we got every second, every minute of the game. And I think if we can go over there and match their toughness and rebound the basketball and, and, and obviously defend like we like we have been, I think we can make it a good basketball game. Um, you know, this is a great game for us heading into district tournament play. And, 
it's just, you know, uh, Custard was very physical with Kaysen the last time we played him. I think he held him to nine or ten or may, maybe somewhere around in there. And, I, and I'd never seen Kaysen. Uh, that, that, that physicality that Custer brings from the football field really does uh, a number on Kaysen. And I think Kaysen will be uh, more than prepared this time around. And, and you know, Terrence, Coach, you know, we don't get zoned a lot, but, you know, he's zoned me the last few times that we've played, and it's really affected us. And we've seen zone the last few games, with the exception of Scott, and we've done really well with it. Um, so it'll be inter- it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, I-, I think we can be right there, uh, but I've-, I've thought that from the very beginning. I think if everybody's healthy and everybody's good, you, you know, I think it could be a very competitive basketball game. You got to win the rebounding war and you got to match their toughness for sure. Well, and I know uh, when I've seen Harrison County this year, Terrence has played a lot of zone because of the length he's got. You know, I mentioned talking about Richard Harris and then you got big Will Furnish at 6'11, but, you know, JD Kendall's a big guard. Clay Carpenter's a big guard. They're long. And when I saw him play zone this year, it just seems like they had a lot of court coverage. So I don't think he's played zone every game. I think he probably bases it on his matchups, but um, he's definitely played a lot more zone this year than what I remember playing in the past. Well, and I think the good thing for us is we, we've had that the last few games with Robertson. And so we're prepared and we feel more comfortable now. We're hitting shots. Um, you know, we, uh, we can still shoot the ball pretty good in case and start shoot the ball with a lot of confidence and getting open looks. And, you know, when you can get some high percentage shots early and then you're able to knock down the three, that's what makes it dangerous for us. And I think, you know, that kind of plays into our strengths and you know, we'll obviously have to put the ball in the basket, but we, we've been doing that. And uh, like I said, I, I really think it'd be, a, it's a good week of basketball for us for sure. Well, Wednesday, Big week two, you know, it's a, it's a big day, actually, draw day. Um, what are you expecting? You love it, don't you? <laughs> I absolutely no love the draw. There's I love two, it. I might be the two, draw's biggest fan. There's oh, two, I'm talking there's to, I'm talking two guys to here guy, on – Of course. There's <laughs> two guys here on so different opposites of the spectrum. And then, you know, you all know how I feel about it. You, you know, it, it is what it is, I, you know. I'm tired of even talking about it. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Everybody knows how I feel about it. And, but, but I do, I understand both, both parties and both situations. And I'm just, uh, you know, I just try to do what's best for everybody. And uh, yeah, big day Wednesday, you know, uh, you know, a lot who, comes down to your season with the, with a pill bottle. Who you going to draw? Who you going to draw? I know you got that gut feeling. I always had a gut feeling going in, and it was right more times than wrong. It's been Mason two in a row, so why not three, right? Shut up, Devin. <laughs> we don't we don't want to draw. We don't – listen. It, once that pill comes out, it's like game mode for me. You know, like it doesn't matter what number it is. You go into a six, seven, eight-day span where your whole life is consumed with whoever you draw, and it's preparation. You know, it's film. It's writing down. It's 
six, seven hours in the office. It's, it's not coming out, you know, Carla bringing me something to eat. I, you know, you consume yourself so much into it. That, you know, every, every, everything goes into that. Obviously, you, you know, I don't want to sit here and speculate. I mean, I, I know coach said, always have a gut feeling. Um, I, I think the people really would love to see two different things. Number one, I think they would love to see an Augusta Bracken first round game at the field house. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, and I think people would like to see a Mason Bracken first round game. Uh, people are, you know, wanting that. So, you know, I, I think there'll be some happy campers regardless. Uh, you know, it'll be exciting. I still feel like, even though people are probably writing us off, I still feel really good about our team. And I still strongly feel like we got a shot to, to win a district championship. And, and I and I feel very, very strong about that. And I'm very, I'm very uh, confident in our kids, confident in our staff, and, and know that it doesn't matter what you do at the beginning or in the middle. We all know it's a marathon. And if we can get on a little bit of a roll here this week, kind of like what we were on last week and kind of get back to playing – it doesn't necessarily have to mean wins. Just play good basketball and get ready going into district and see see what happens. How do you see that, like, for the next two weeks? I know you've only got four games scheduled left. Do you, do you try and maybe add a game, or you, you think practice well, we, is more essential right now? We talked to Brossard about we gave up our date tomorrow so he could do his seed game. Yeah. He only had a certain amount of time, and – Scott and I, are, we've got really close since the the whole Zoom thing that Patrick put on. And, you know, me and Scott, we we always didn't see eye to eye. Me and Mike always got along real good. But me and Scott always kind of butted heads. But, you know, we, we've really – our relationship has grown a lot. And he called me, and I'm like, listen, anything I can do to help, you know, I, I'm here to help. And so they're going to play their district seed game on Monday. We're going to talk about the possibility of – making that up on a Monday of the 14th. Um, I don't like to play a lot the last week of the season. I like to prepare. Um, I like to have five, six days to get ready for that game. Uh, and I've kind of done that the past few years. Um, that's just kind of kind of been a thing that I've done. If we could play Monday, Tuesday, and then get ready Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm good with that. Uh, one last one from me. I don't know if PK will have an additional one, but the AD role here. Uh, let's let's flip the script a little bit. How is the talks coming along with the new proposed gym? Has that been fully approved and budgeted for, or where, what stage is that kind of in in terms of what what progress the new gym is going to be making? Well, well, what I know about the new gym is that. I know they went to city council. I know there's been some talk. I know there's been some some approval. I think there's been some talk about moving some um, water lines and things on. Um, Patrick, help me out on the – is it Elizabeth Street? Yeah, uh, if you're talking about the one there by the library. No, what, what's the next one over? Is it Bracken? Bra no, not Bracken. The, uh, the one – Frankfurt Street. Frankfurt Street on the other side. 
they're wanting to make it a one way and they're, they're having to move some water lines and maybe some utility lines. I still think there's some, some talk there about some of that stuff, but you know, from, from what I understand, I, I, I think that, that it's been approved. I just think there's some technical things they've got to talk about and, and walk through and all those, all those big things. But, you know, uh, that's the last update I got. And I'll be honest with you, Evan, I, I haven't really asked about it a lot. I've just kind of let them do their thing. And when they want me to know what's going on and, and when we discuss it, we, that, that's when we sit around and, and talk about it. But I try to uh, let them handle the logistics of the, of the big stuff. And, and when they need me though, they ask me. Sorry. One more. Um, the uh, 10th region tournament site. I've asked every coach since that decision's been made. Um, you as an athletic director, again, put that hat on. Um, and, and I know if you get to the region tournament at Augusta, it means a lot for you guys, not just being able to play in it, but financially. So tell me what ramifications it might have for you guys as a small school. Well, you know, I don't know what what the logistic plans are as far as, you know, the the, the financial situation as far as, money and what we're paying and what what's going on you know to me I, I i understand what those northern kentucky that district is why they want to play up there I, I get that i do think it's a little much them have to drive two hours to grc or montgomery county it, it is bad when they have to do that i guess the part for me that i don't understand is why we're allowing an, an out-of-region school to to get concession stand, to do all those things and collect all that money that should be going to our schools. And I think that's the big thing for me. And, and like I said, I haven't asked a lot of questions about it. I haven't really dug into it a lot, but to me, obviously we have to be paying a fee, you know, uh, Holmes is, is coming out, you know, with a lot of extra, you know, incentive with all this. Um, so, you know, I just feel like the region tournament needs to be held in the 10th region. And now I'll be honest with you, when they held it at Northern Kentucky the year that I was at St. Pat and we went to the regional tournament, that was very – it was a very neat experience um, to play at Northern Kentucky. It kind of had that state tournament atmosphere type thing, but I know the schools didn't make a lot of money that year because it was such a huge expense to play there. Um, here's the deal. When the, when, when the regional tournament's at Mason County, everybody knows you're going to get somewhere between a five to $7,000 check. You know, and when they had it at Northern Kentucky, I think it was like a $3,000 check. And, and, and listen, it's been forever. I don't hold me to all those things, but, that's a lot of difference for a small school like Augusta, St. Pat, even Brackett, who that, 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 that's money that, you know, Robertson, that's money that, I mean, we made, we got a 900 some dollar check from the all a almost a thousand bucks for the all a, um, you know, that helps out. So I, I think obviously I'm just one AD but I can't see this ever happening again. Once the next meeting comes, I, I'm sure there'll be some changes. 
I'm sure there'll be some talk. I'm sure there'll be some upset people on both sides of the table. But I just can't imagine that this will ever happen again where they'll be allowed to take it out of region. Um, you know, it's kind of like the All-A for years. When I was at St. Pat in Augusta, I complained that Brosser was allowed to pick and host it when they didn't have a place big enough. But they didn't let Augusta pick to go anywhere. They didn't let Robert – well, Robertson's always been able to host, I believe. But they didn't let St. Pat pick to go to Mason County. or So I think this could change a lot of different things, not only with the region, but also in the LA as well. Um, just to answer one of your questions, Coach, uh, Scott A.D. Casey Fisk joined us a couple weeks ago, and I think he told us that whoever decides to host the region, and Evan, correct me if I'm wrong here, whoever hosts it gets $4,500. So I know if Mason County hosts, they get $4,500 off the top. So I'm assuming Holmes is going to get $4,500 too. He also told us that NKU, the BB&T, you had to sign like a three-year deal, and it was costing like twenty-five thousand. And obviously, financially, that's not anywhere in the works or plans for any school. But um, I'm on your side. I, you know, I agree with Northern Kentucky District thirty-seventh wanting to host it. I agree with them getting tired of doing all the traveling. But have a gym in your district that can host it. You know, Campbell County is a huge school. Build a nice facility. Um, you know, I know Scott's doing some renovations, but he also told us that it wasn't going to increase any seating, so he doesn't see them be able to host it in the future. But if your only options of hosting the regional tournament is a school out of region, then you need to, I'd say, defer your defer your opportunity to host because um, I don't like the idea that, you know, Holmes is going to get to keep the concession money, which, well, you know. Okay, we're, we're, the 4500 is that coming all off? ours or are they gonna you know there, there's a lot of things that they're gonna have to you, you, you know are they paying that 4500 out there are those schools gonna get together and pay that 4500 i don't know how it works i don't know how it works if mason county hosts i don't know how it works if works if montgomery or clark host i just know the host school gets a 4500 check and i would assume that has to come out of the profit do you know how much money they'll make in the concession stand that week? Well, I think a lot of it, you know, bases that on attendance. And, um, you know, he uh, he did say that the 37th district, he said this, this could be a flop. It may not work. We're not married to homes, meaning, you know, if it didn't work, we won't do it again. You know, we'll look at other options, which, you know, I was glad to hear. But um, I just, you know, me and Evan constantly talk about on here, you know, when you're at the field house, and granted, I'm one of those ones who says that it does give an unfair advantage to Mason County. And if it was hosted at Augusta, I'd say it'd give an unfair advantage to Augusta. And when I say unfair advantage, that's a, that doesn't mean that Mason County is going to win it every year. It doesn't. But what I'm saying, though, is there's average fans in surrounding areas, maybe even be a Fleming County or a Bath County or just, you know, Lewis County, that'll come to the field house to watch good 10th region games. I'm curious to see how many of the Northern Kentucky people will show up that, you know, aren't really familiar with the 10th region to see if they'll make up for the lack of attendance. Um, I guess that's yet to be determined, but I'm still not sold 
that the average Northern Kentucky fans go show up to watch a uh, Augusta um, Campbell County game in the far. Well, Campbell County's Northern. Let's say Augusta um, Montgomery. Montgomery, Augusta Montgomery, or Augusta Harrison in the first round. We're not you know, but Augusta does travel well. So Augusta's probably not a good school to look at. Bracken County's probably not a good school to look at. Um, Robertson County t- travels fairly well. I just I'm curious to see the attendance numbers throughout the week because we know what shows up at the field house. Well, when when you're at Mason County, like you said, people from all over will drive there to get something to eat. You know, Maysville has so much to offer there. You know, you can go to the game, get something to eat, come back to a game, whatever. Or, you know, it, it's just unfortunate, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't imagine that this is going to, this is going to fly. You know, it may, it's going to happen this year, obviously. Um, but I just, you know, very unorthodox. I mean, Patrick, are you going to drive down there for, for, for the tournament? I, I mean, I, I don't – I know you love basketball, but I can't see you driving to Covington to watch the ball game. I, 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 I think I told Evan last week or a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing it, um, if somebody's going and they want me to ride, yeah, but I'm not driving and paying $3.15 a gallon of gas to drive down there four or five nights. And I'll be honest with you, if streaming is a possibility, that's what I'm going to do. And I don't know what – I don't know. I know Holmes streams a lot of their games on YouTube. I don't know if they'll do that for the 10th region or if they'll sell out to get prep spin or somewhere where they charge and make money. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to work. But uh, well, I'm regardless – I'm going to tell you this. The Kelchers can't drive. They have no sense of direction whatsoever. I don't know how he gets to Lexington to pick up his kids, but he does. And, and he's not going down to Covington. To a ball game. <laughs> Neither is Rob. And listen, I'm not throwing they, – they they admit this. Rob and Kelsch came to my house when I lived in Germantown years ago a few times. I had to tell him every time how to get there. He couldn't come back. So – Well, first off, first off, I'm a lot better sense of directions than my brother, but I'm not much better of a driver. But we're not turning this podcast into a Kelsch driving <laughs> Because okay, okay. if it's my if it's my podcast, I'm gonna be talked about in a positive manner. I, I understand. <laughs> but you're right. And and you know, like if you called me up on Tuesday and said, Hey, I'm going to homes, you wanna ride? I'd say yes. But if you sure. say, Hey, you wanna drive, I'd say no. That's just no. That's just all there is to it. But uh coach, appreciate it. You know, we spent thirty minutes on here. We could probably spend another three hours and thirty minutes talking basketball, but uh we appreciate your time on Sunday night. Best of luck this week, and uh, I know what I'm rooting for you in the draw. Uh, I hope the Panthers get the best draw possible. I'm still a Panther at heart, so uh, best of luck this week. And uh, Thank you. Uh, and good luck in the postseason. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> See you guys. All right, have a good night. You too. All right, Evan, we talked about a little bit there about the uh, 39th district and how those, uh, you know, that – you know, we can't really talk about how the 39th is heating up because, you know, as people like to say, their regular season is um, based on a pill draw. As crazy as that sounds, the crazier it is, the more I love it. Um, but, um, you know, the 37th has a big week. 
tomorrow, Brosser and Calvary play, I think, which is the last um, district-seeded game in that district. And basically, you know, and I talked to Scott Code earlier because I wanted to make sure I knew this. If Brosser were to beat Calvary, there'd be three teams, one and two. And he says, then it's decided by a coin flip. Mm. So, which that's exactly what happened to us last year. Three teams were tied. We flipped a coin. And um, Tell me about that, though. How do you, how do, you do a three-team coin flip? I think, like, um, you flip the coin and odd man out is, like, the two. Then um, you flip a coin and say heads is the three, tails the four. I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't really know. But I do know they do something with odd man out. If they flip it, all three are the same, they'll flip it again. Odd man out may be the four. I don't know. That's just con- – it's confusing to me because well, – I, I just feel like – You go RPI, but maybe, I, you know – well. I told you, I looked that up in KHSAA last year, and it said something about, you know, RPI for three ways. So I kept telling Rob, the guys at Roberts, I'm like, guys, don't panic. If we're three and one, you know, it says RPI. We got the highest RPI, so we're going to be the one. Don't worry about it. And then we played it, you know, all year long. We scheduled kind of ways so we could keep the highest RPI. And then, you know, Brad Allison called KHSAA, and I think they said that was for football not necessarily basketball, but it didn't specify that in the KHSAA when I read it, or I, you know, if it would have specified football, I never would have thought that, but um, we did. I'll go off Scott's words then. I mean, I, you know, if it's the coin toss and that'll be interesting. And I mean, Rossard's very capable of beating Calvary Christian. I think, you know, they, they've struggled as of late, but you know, they, they've, they've played a a rather tough schedule. Um, I think, well, and you know, and, you know how this is, Calvary, and I wanted to mention Calvary, I think they won a big – I think they won the NKAC, IAC, whatever, Division Three this week. They beat Villa Madonna, and I think that – you know, I saw pictures of Coach Donaldson cutting down the net, and, um, of course, it was at Calvary. But um, I think they won um, – I think it's that, that Northern Kentucky Division they in where they got Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, yeah. I mean, you know they, what I'm referring to? It's NKAC Division Three champions. I get so confused because there's like an NKAC, then there's a KCAC, and then like all this other stuff. Because they lost in the KCAC, they lost to Heritage Christian, who I don't even know what that school is. But then you're right. I mean, they beat Villa Madonna on February second. So, yeah, and that got me game on, against on, Villa on, gave them. It gave them the D3 championship. So, you know, okay. if they come out Monday, um, you know, even after the All-A, the first game after you win a championship, you tend to come out flat. So, mm-hmm. um, where's that game being played between Brosser and Calvary? Uh, that game is at uh, Calvary. So, Well. I mean, it's simple, simple for Calvary. They win, they get the two seed, you know. So, basically, that game is basically win to avoid Campbell County. Yeah, so Calvary handles their business, and they get the two seed, and then Scott would get the three, and Brossert would be the four. And if Brossert wins, then, like you you mentioned, it, it goes to that three-way coin toss. And, I mean, heck, you know, Campbell, I mean, I think they're fine with whoever they play, but I imagine they want to try and avoid Scott at, at, at all ways possible because that's the team I think that presents them with the most matchup problems and the team that's given them – the hardest contest, you know, in that district so far this year. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And, you know, but, you know, we talked to Coach Russell and, um, 
I don't think he truly has a preference. I think if you asked him, he'd honestly say, you know, he'd like to avoid Scott. And I think he did talk about how, you know, Scott, you know, poses some matchup problems for them and makes it tough on them. But um, so we'll know more about that district come Tuesday morning. Also in the uh, 38th, I think Pendleton and Nicholas, um, that game has big, big implications because I think if Nicholas wins, there'll be a tie between Nicholas and Pendleton for the three seed. Um, Harrison's wrapped up one, Robertson's wrapped up the two. And then this game Monday night, which uh, was supposed to be Friday, and then the snow came and ice and it got moved till Monday. So um, honestly feel like that can be a pretty good game at Nichols County if Nichols County's healthy. I know they've had problems with missing two or three players, you know, pretty much all year long. Um, I know Morris has been hurt at times, and I think there's a game I saw where Letcher didn't play, then Fryman. So, but the one thing I have noticed, and we talked about this kid at the beginning of the year, um, Preston Blake, the eighth grader, he's been getting a lot of minutes. I think he's been starting to produce a little bit more. I saw where he's had a couple double-doubles. And they have a seventh-grade Hatton kid who's yeah. been putting the ball in the basket pretty good. So what this has done with injuries is given those kids an opportunity to become more comfortable with the speed of the game at the varsity level to where I think they can maybe – be a little bit more productive to help Nicholas County out, then we know they got a superstar in White Clark. Yeah, and I think there's just more pressure on Pendleton to win that game because they're hosting the district tournament this year. And, I mean, obviously you would rather play in the 2-3 game than the 1-4 game because, you know, Harrison County's just been dominant in district play. I mean, I don't think they've had a game within 20 points on, on, on any of their wins and they're, you know, 5-0 and in district play where – you know, Robertson, yeah, they've handled Pendleton twice um, during the regular season. But, you know, a third game, it's always, you know, the cliche saying is it's always tough to beat a team three times. And, you know, Pendleton's going to get that game on their home floor too. Yeah, and I always said that, you know, I think Pendleton County is a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. Coach Ellsburn does a nice job of keeping the uh, student body engaged and getting them to show up at games. And um, when that atmosphere over there is live, the band's playing, the you know, the student section's in it. Um, it's a tough place to play, and um, I think Robertson County, if I remember correctly, when they went over there just a week or so ago, you know, it was a single-digit game in the third quarter. Um, Pendleton County made a little bit of run and um, got it into single digits, and then you th- Robertson County obviously won by 14 or 15 and probably some free throws late to get to that margin. But um, if truth be told, you'd much rather play Robertson in the 2-3 than Harrison County in the 1-4. I'm curious on this Harrison-Augusta game this week. Um, I really think that game right there can really tell us if Harrison County's capable of making a deep run. Um, I know if they go in as a winner, they got to like their chances on the runner-up unless they draw the 39th because um, I think uh, Harrison can probably beat the runner-up in the 40th, the 37th, and um, the 30. Well, they don't have to play the 38th, but, uh, you know, I think uh, Coach Brooks will have his guys ready, and he's done a great job this year. They're, they're just – their size and length and a great point guard in Caden Custer really make them a factor. Yeah, I mean, they'll be they'll be a dangerous side. I mean, they – I think, you know, depending how the – you know, as long as they make it through district, of course, but the region draw, if they, if they get on the right side of the bracket, you could definitely see them in the region final. That's how good I think they are. Um, so, I, I would not put that past them and – you know, I think a team that's, you know, uh, is well in control of that district. And, you know, I, I think teams are <laughs> playing out to, to avoid them in that first round game. 
And I Bro, think we've said this, you know, all the way throughout the season. I think the one seeds in each district, you, you want to avoid that one four game, if, if at all possible. But any two three game in any district, um, it, it's going to be a dogfight, and you know, it, it's going to be, you know, tough to really predict who's going to come out of those games. It is, and I think that's what makes the tenth region, you know, fun to watch come postseason because you know. I think uh, Coach Russell mentioned, you know, that as a whole, the 10th region this year probably isn't as strong top to bottom as it has been, but there's still a lot of good teams with a lot of good players. And I think, you know, there's only one team, I think, that's heads and shoulders above everybody else, um, and that's Clark County. But I have seen strange things happen come March in Kentucky. So, you know, I'm not going to gift them a district and region championship. I mean, look at Bourbon County a couple years ago. Everybody was already claiming them to be region champs. And, you know, they get beat in the first round against Montgomery County, you know. And speaking of the 40th district, I mean, it got a lot more interesting last night. You know, when Paris beat Bourbon County by 12, um, that, that ended their district um, regular season with a one and five record. And Bourbon County now sitting at one and four, where if they don't beat Montgomery County this week, I believe that game is Friday, then heck, they're both looking at one and five. And from what I understand, they kind of do a blind draw as well for the three and four seed. And did um that's a four seed you do not want, period, because that means did, you're drawing the number one team in the state. Did Bourbon County beat Paris? Yeah. At Bourbon. Okay. And and that's one of those games too that you know very few people understand. That's not just a district seeded game. That's one of those county rival games. You know, you got the county school and you got the independent school. It's just kind of like Augusta Bracken. Until you've played and been a part of that rivalry, you fully don't really understand the importance of it to the community, the players, the coaches, the schools. And, you know, Paris County's had somewhat of a down year and they've had some uh, taking their lumps this year. So I'm happy that they got the opportunity to win that game at home last night. That's a that's a big game for them. And like you said, it also gives them an opportunity to maybe win that three seed. And you never know if they face Montgomery in the two seed, what can happen? I mean, Montgomery County, I feel like they've gotten better as the season's progressed. But, you know, they're beatable. Yeah, I mean, that's another 2-3 game where I think it'll be up in the air. Um, you know, Mo MoCo, like you said, with under John Bentley's improved throughout the season. They got, they got their young guys playing a lot better. And then um, – you know, Paris, you know, that was a good win for them on Saturday night. So they keep coming around and, you know, you never know when, when those two kind of face off if it gets to that point in the 40th district tournament. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be tuned in tomorrow to the Calvary Brossard and Nicholas Pendleton. I think both those games kind of, you know, interest me and in the outcomes, uh, um, which, you know, I'm probably going to be on NFHS tomorrow calling the uh, – Robertson County game, St. Pat comes to the Devil's Dome. And um, these games become a little bit more important and not necessarily important, but they mean a little bit more to me as uh, Justin Becker. And you know my partial – I'm partial to Justin. I've coached Justin for a long time and uh, just a great kid, a humble kid, loyal kid. And, you know, he's starting his quest for 3,000 points and um, 1,100 rebounds. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is there's only eight you know, people in KHSAA history that have achieved both milestones, 3,000 points, 1,100 rebounds. Um, he's two rebounds shy of 1,100, so I expect him to get that, you know, tomorrow, probably first quarter. And then he's 104 points shy of 3,000. And with, what, five games left, not counting the postseason. Um, so we know he's got six guarantees, guaranteed games left. Um, six into 104 is about 17 points a game. 
Um, he's averaging double that on the season. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if Justin doesn't get that, you know, milestone this week. Yeah, they've got four games this week. So, you know, St. Pat on Monday, Bracken on Tuesday, Fleming on Friday, and Scott on Saturday. And those were the two games that I would kind of look at, the Fleming and Scott game. Both those games are at home and with 104 points, his current average of about 34, 35 a night. Um, you're, you're probably looking at either the end of that Fleming County game or, or, or right near the start of that Scott game. But knowing Justin, he could go off for 40, 45 one of the next two nights and, and get even closer to that and, and possibly do it Friday night. So I think Friday night or, or Saturday um, will be the two days to kind of be on the 3000 point watch. And I'm hoping, you know, I can plan it out to where I, I could be there for him because, you know, when you do something like that, it's, it's special. And I, I think the people need to have that, you know, story told to them. And, you know, I, I I've been there throughout Justin's career. Um, he's a great young man. And, you know, he's a kid that you, you definitely, um, root for and you respect his loyalty um, to Robertson County um, and everything that he's done for that program and that community. And you can tell that community means a lot to him and, and what they've done for him and, and how he's helped give, give back to them, not only just on the basketball court, but just being a leader throughout the school. And I know it's a K through 12 school. So you got kindergartners walking through the halls with seniors and, you know, he's, he's probably helping some of those kids get to class and stuff and just a, a good role model. And, you know, a kid that I, I think, you know, is going to be a very strong uh, Mr. Basketball contender as well. Well, um, you know, you talk about, you know, a K-12 school. You know, I've seen him pick up crying preschoolers. I've seen him bend down and tie first graders' shoes. I've seen him do things that other high schoolers wouldn't even pay attention to because they don't know, you know, what it's like to walk a hall with a kindergartner or walk a hall with a preschooler. And um, Justin's just a top-notch kid, and I'm glad you mentioned you know, Mr. Basketball, because, you know, and I put it on Twitter earlier, and I would say this if Justin, you know, wasn't a former player, but, you know, the kid, you know, is going to be one of only nine people in the state of Kentucky that have achieved this milestone. Um, he's also going to be one of only five in the 10th region. The other four are Chris Harrison, Dante Allen, Austin Crawford, and Talbert Turner. So elite company there in the 10th. But not only the individual accolades, but he's also been a part of the first ever all A in school history. Then he was a part of the team to win it for a second time. Um, he also was a part of the last two teams, you know, back-to-back -back district champions at Robertson County, which their last district championship was, I believe, 94. So um, not only just the individual accolades, what he's meant to the team and the school and the community, um, I just think it's hard to find anybody who, who has done as much as he has. And I get it. There's a the controversy. You know, but here's the thing. People will say, is the Mr. Basketball Award a four-year award or is it a senior season award? I think he fits the bill in both. If you look at it as a four-year award, find me somebody else that's currently playing in the KHSAA who has 3,000-plus points and 1,100 rebounds. Don't waste your time looking because you're not going to find anybody. Second, you know, if you look at it as a senior award – People didn't expect Robertson County to win four or five games this year. They've already got double figures and a two-seat in the district. He's averaging 35-plus points, which is good for number two in the state. He's also probably ranked in the state in rebounds per game. So no matter if you look at it as a four-year award or a, a senior award, Justin has to be in the conversation. And, you know, I, I get it. People are going to hold it against him at the fact that he plays at a small Class A school. I get it. 
But when you've seen the defenses that Justin's faced this year, how they've held him, jumped his back, um, three people on him at one time and still putting up 35 points a game and leading, you know, Robertson County to a two seed and double digit victories. You know, to me, there's only one guy that should be Mr. Basketball, you know, I mean, you, you, you pretty much hit on all my points that I was going to say. And I, I think that's the big debate is where people struggle in their voting on whether if it's a career or a senior season award, like the year Dante Allen won it, he played 11 games that year and then got hurt in during over a Christmas tournament and still won Mr. Basketball. But then that also poses the question, well, who's the last non-Division one guy to win Mr. Basketball? And I believe you have to go back. I looked it up the other day. It was like 1997 or 99, a guy that went to Kentucky Wesleyan won it, and he played at Owensboro High School. So I believe that was 97 or 99. I have to double-check on my my history there. But So that makes you wonder, like, because throughout the state, it's it's a, obviously a state award. So everybody knows Justin Becker in the 10th region and kind of maybe a little bit spread out in the 9th, 8th, 12th, whatever, 11th. And, and I think Coach Massey and yourself has done a good job of, of getting him showcased in other regions. You know, this year they went down and played at the Marshall County Hoops Fest and – you know, you've, you've taken the team to Louisville and, and, and things like that. So it just makes you wonder where where else he might be able to get those votes, where the numbers obviously speak for themselves. So it, it just makes you wonder how where he's going to get those other votes to be able to garner enough votes to win the award. Well, I hope that people aren't short-sighted enough to uh, hold it against him that he chose to attend Thomas Moore instead of a D1 school. Granted, there's, you know, he's, he's had some conversation with D1 schools. He could probably make a D1 roster. Don't fault the kid for wanting to go closer to home um, to a school who's getting ready to go D2 to where maybe he can play as a freshman or sophomore, way, where it may be a junior or senior year to where. And, you know, you mentioned Dante. I You know, I was a proponent. I'm glad Dante won that award for what he did for four years at Pendleton County and the video game-like numbers he put up. I mean, I had the uh, nightmarish event of coaching against him a couple times a year, and good defense or no defense, he put up 50 and never broke a sweat. Um, So I was glad. But I feel like a lot of people voted for him because he was going to Kentucky. And I feel like that has a lot to do with where people – you know, are, and I don't think that's fair to not just Justin, but all the athletes in the state of Kentucky. Um, you know, not all the athletes in the state of Kentucky are able to go to Kentucky. It's just not going to happen. And, um, you know, I don't want to get off on a, a tangent like that, but uh, I just hope that, you know, the people that have the the vote or will at least give him consideration because I know the kid deserves it. And uh, back to my history, it was 1997 um... – Brandon Davenport won it, and he went he, to uh, Lindsey Wilson. He he, was he also two- ended up at Moorhead State because I played against him in the rec gym. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> there you go. And then um, it looks like you know, small school wise, the last one to win it was Carson Williams at Owen County in 2016. So and and he was deserving because I I watched him dominate a lot of games. That yeah. All he's right, a, uh, he's a monster. Evan, just this just this week. Um, the KBC has sent out their email, and, you know, I don't get these emails anymore because I'm not a coach, but I've seen things fo- surface on Twitter, Facebook. I've talked to some coaches. Um, Hold on. Let me ask you this. As a former coach, you can't vote in it anymore? I may be able to, but I haven't got an email yet. So, okay. Um, I just didn't know how that worked. I don't really know myself. This is the first year I've ever been a former coach. I guess I'll find right. out. But, yeah. you know, with the KBC, 
Um, a lot of things come with that. And, you know, the player of the year in the KBC has to be a senior. I think just by being KBC, you also get a tryout for the Kentucky-Indiana All-Star team. And I think, are you also a Mr. Basketball finalist? Yeah, it's, that's basically who your finalists are, your 16 KABC winners. Sometimes there's co-winners. You so, know, they might have two in one region. But, yeah, that's, that's your 16 finalists for the Mr. Basketball Award. And it has to be a senior. And I know people get it confused because, you know, the Players Association, that's just the best player in the region. You don't have to be a senior. You can be a freshman, sophomore, eighth grader. Uh, right. But the KBC is a senior-only award, and I think that's because of the uh, Kentucky-Indiana tryout as well as, you know, the finalists for Mr. Basketball. So let's talk about in the 10th region who we feel like the seniors that have a legit opportunity to win. Um, and we just talked about Justin. Um, you know, Justin, in my eyes, is probably the front runner, but I know Clark County also has Tanner Walton who's a very nice basketball player. Now, granted, Tanner's numbers probably aren't going to be as staggering and eye-popping as Justin's, but he's on the number one team in the state and a big contributor to GRC. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, were banking on Jerome Morton this year, but where he reclassified due to his COVID year, he's still a junior. Um, Case and Henson at Augusta is a senior who's had a nice career. Um, just who are some guys you, you covered – the region longer than I have, and I've seen a lot more players than me. Um, but you know, who other than who we've mentioned may may be a, a candidate? Uh, you know, I'd say Mason County's Nate Mitchell. Um, he's a senior. Um, you look at Calvary Christian, uh, Mulling, the Mulling kid, I, I think has had a, a great year. Um, outside of that, uh, you know, it's it's tough for me to really have another candidate that really sticks out. I mean, to me. It's a no-brainer with the KABC. I mean, I think where you're going to have your real debate is going to be with the Coaches Association, you know, where, where Justin, I think, has more tougher candidates in that pool compared to, like, the seniors-only pool. To me, it, it should be unanimous that Justin, out of those, out of those, you know, 16 or whoever votes in that, um, it, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Now, if you want to talk about Coaches Association Player of the Year Award, yeah, I think Jerome Morton has an argument. I think Terrell Henry has an argument, and I think Blake Reed has an argument. I think that, that's a four-man race, and I think it's a, a quality race. Now, is Justin probably the best player out of that still? Yeah, I mean, his numbers say so, you know, and what he what he's done. But it's hard to discredit what Jerome Morton's done this year for the number one team in the state. And, you know, he's the best player on the best team. You know, a lot of times the award goes to that person. And, you know, you look at what Terrell Henry's done, his, his, his just model of efficiency throughout the year – He's like second in the in the region in field goal percentage, and he's and he's shooting ten to twelve times a game. So he's getting high quality shots, shooting over sixty percent, rebounds at a high level, and, and you know teams are really starting to key in on him. But he's still getting his. And then um, obviously Blake Reed and what he's done for Bracken County and their complete one eighty of a season, you know, and just what they've been able to do and and how he brings it every single night. And he'll, he'll go for thirty five every night if he can. I mean, there might be a few nights where he's off, but. He's averaging 28 a night, and I think Blake's a, a very solid candidate too. And, I mean, those four guys, I mean, it's 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 a good argument, and I think it's a fun argument to go go off of. Well, and I agree with everything you just said. It should be a no-brainer for KBC, and I hope uh, coaches vote for, you know, who deserves it and not, you know, a um, 
popularity contest, so to speak. Um, you know, being the president of the 10th Region Coaches Association, I see every ballot. Um, I see how people vote. And sometimes you look at their vote or their ballot and you, you scratch your head. Um, but um, anytime you allow coaches to vote for things like that, they're, they're going to vote for people they're partial for. The good thing about the KBC and the, uh, you know, all region player of the year stuff and the coach association is you cannot vote for your own. So, and I, I like think, that. But, I think those you know, votes are going to get interesting, though. I mean, because especially well, when you get to like coach of the year, because I, I think it's two solid candidates. I think it's Josh well, Cook and Adam Reed, you know. And that's exactly, you know, what I was going to say, but I wanted to mention the four players you mentioned for, you know, player of the year in the 10th with the, um, you know, coaches association is I can sit on here and argue with you and make a strong case for any of the four. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what makes it so tough. And honestly feel like this year, um, Justin's backs against the wall for the simple fact that he's already won it twice. Yeah. Um, And it's tough. Now his numbers say that he should probably be, you know, in the mix and, you know, and I think he will be, um, but there's four solid players there. And, uh, all four of those guys have led their team have done things this year that, you know, just have kind of taken it to another level. Um, I really didn't think Jerome Morton could get much better. He's proven me wrong. I feel like he's gotten a lot better and really improved his game. And I can tell you with Blake, Blake has really, impressed me with how hard I think he's worked on the defensive end. Every game I've watched, he's standing there taking charges. Um, He plays on-ball defense. And no matter how hard defense he plays, it doesn't seem to affect his game on the offensive end. So hats off to his conditioning. Terrell Henry, he amazes me every time I watch him play. Um, The ability for him to make tough shots around the basket against bigger defenders and still shoot 60% is amazing to me. Um, and then Justin, where I've seen Justin grow the most this year is his leadership skills, leading a young team who's had very few varsity minutes or opportunities. He's kind of led those to where he's turned some of those guys into being confident players to where he's shown that he believes in them and their place picked up. Brady Boyd, Joshua Pulaski's place picked up the last few, you know, weeks. He had 27 some the other 27 or so the other night. Um, so um, all four of those guys you can make a case for. Also, coach of the year, um, I think there's only two cases, um, like you said, Scott or Josh Cook and Clark, and then Adam Reed at Bracken County. I don't think there's any other coach that's even, you know, in the in the ballpark when you look at what they've done. Now, maybe, I, maybe you could throw say, Terrence Brooks in there. You could um, say Harrison County, yeah. obviously with Coach Brooks, but when you look at, you know, when I think of Adam, they were eight and twenty last year. Yeah. Um, most preseason polls had them seven, eight, nine range. Um, they win their first all A and since 98, I believe they had an eight game win streak. Um, have, have they lost to a region opponent yet? No, no. Um, they've also, um, I think they've, uh, he's got the highest winning percent winning precision for a season since like six, something in the sixties. Um, for the school, yeah. yeah, and he won the first ever class a state game or a game at the state level in the class A in school history. So now, if you want to argue for Josh Cook, it wouldn't be hard to do. Right, number one, they, number they one team in the state. Where are they? Twenty two and one. Yeah, and won the um, you know, the king of the not the king of the bluegrass, whatever the new name is for it in Lexington. I mean, and that's right. that's a tournament where they beat Woodford County, uh, North Laurel, Ballard. I mean, night, night they after lost- night. 
I don't think know, they've lost to a state team, have they? They haven't. You know, the only team they lost to was a top 25 team in the country in South Carolina. And right now, from what I saw, Max Preps has GRC ranked as number 25 in the country. So, you know, and a lot of people are going to say anybody can coach that team with all the talent that they have. But you have to be able to corral that talent and, and get them to buy into the team. And I think he's done a really good job of that where those 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 kids, they're all bought into winning. And it's it, you're seeing them really happy after games. You're not seeing that selfishness of, oh, I got this or they got that. They're, they're really bought into the team concept. And that's all on Coach Cook because that's not easy to do. When you coach five guys out there on the floor that are as talented as the five they start and keeping all five happy, four of those five could go to any other team in the region and probably be leading scorer. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you look at Sam Parrish and Tanner Walton. Those two kids come from Tates Creek and Lexington Christian where they led their team in scoring at both 20-plus a game. And over here at GRC, they're not averaging 20 a game, but yet they're still producing at a high level and key contributors on the number one team in the state. Now, what I think is impressive about them is the what you said. He's got the chemistry of the team working together, but – they are, they're defense, man. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. How, I... how do you beat that team? Like, I imagine the only way for a team in the region to be able to beat them is you have to shorten the game as much as possible because they're putting up 100, like, on a regular basis now. They scored 100 their last two games, and then the, the past five or six before that, it was like 97, 94, 89, 89. Like, and the you... only way – and as a coach, the only way to shorten the game and, you know, kind of limit their possessions is to hold the ball, run a continuity offense to where you're taking a minute or two off the clock. But with that defense they play, that's not going to be easy. Right. You can do that when teams will back up off you, sit in the zone. Okay, I can sit out here and hold it for a minute or two. With the defense intensity those guys are playing with, I don't know if you, as a team in the 10th, you can sit there and run an offense long enough for consecutive possessions to where you can really limit their offensive ability. The game I think of is last year's region tournament when Bracken County was able to do that against Campbell. Now, I, I don't think Campbell's pressure defense is anywhere near what GRC's defense can bring this year. So if there's a team I think that's that's capable of maybe handling that strategy would be guards of, of Bracken County but can they do it for a full 32 minutes and, you know, considering who the opponent is going to be, you know, it's just. So let me put, let me put you on the spot here because this is a debate as well. When you vote for coach of the year, do you vote for somebody who's done something that was unexpected or do you vote for somebody, you know, cause there's going to be people argue that, like you said, I could coach GRC's team. I could do what coach cook's doing. He could just roll the balls out which obviously he doesn't do that, and it's obvious he doesn't do that. But, you know, their success that they've had, I feel like, has been expected. Is your You said the ballots are coming in this week? Um, no, we'll, I'll send out the ballots probably. I'll send out an email this week to get all their the people that they nominate. The Hall of Fame ballots, will be, we'll know by next week who, who got inducted into the Hall of Fame, but we probably won't know to the week of district tournament who the all region is okay um so you know a lot of a lot of people get mad about that because um if you wait till the postseason's over because there are people that have big postseasons that you know could maybe 
push them over the edge. Or you could say, oh, well, if Coach Cook wins the region and wins the state, then he's obviously the coach of the year. Um, well, but, that's like Mr. Basketball. You could do that every Sweet 16. Sam Vincent easily should have won Mr. Basketball based off the Sweet 16 last year. But Ben Johnson won it, and they, you know, he was at LexCast, and I don't. They didn't even end up making the state tournament. So it's, it's. I think it's, it's a regular season award. You know, right. And I think the coach vote is going to be really interesting to me because, like you said, there's allegiances. Maybe the 40th district, they all vote for Cook or. You know, but I, I think at the end of the day, everybody loves it, loves an underdog story. So, you know, well, to me, it wouldn't surprise me if Adam won. Well, it's not going to surprise me if either one of them won. And, you know, it's – I will say this. Of course, you know, like I said, I see I see ballots. I see who every coach votes for. Um, I ne- I've never told anybody because it's not fair to those coaches, and I won't ever tell anybody. But there are districts that have allegiances. And um, you know what? Hey, you know, that's the players you see most often. You know, for example, if Campbell County plays Scott twice and um, Howe or Hunter have a really good game both times, and then they're obviously going to rank them higher than what they would, you know, a team that they've never seen play. And I think sometimes that, you know, that hurts certain players. You know, like I said, you know, I've constantly uh, kind of, praise Chase Walton on this podcast for what he's done at St. Pat and the loyalty he's shown and, you know, taking some lumps the last few years, but still putting up his numbers. Um, A lot of coaches don't vote for him because St. Pat don't play a lot of the bigger teams in the region and they don't get a same play. So, um, but, you know, I'm curious to see how these coaches vote. Um, I agree. Most like an underdog, uh, underdog story, like what Bratton County's done this year. Um, a lot of people don't like to vote for those on top. I could also tell you there's one allegiance that I know doesn't exist, and that's in the 39th district. So, Sure. That's where things will get interesting, too, on, on how that vote plays out. Right. And um, you know what, though? I know I know both of those coaches, um, and I'm and I'm going to be safe to say when I say this, um, they would both much rather win a district tournament than win an individual award like Coach of the Year. Um, it's a, you know, I've been fortunate enough to win multiple coaches of the year and on the boys and girls side, and even at the class A level, and it's nice, but we all know that those awards are the players that lace it up and give us the blood, sweat and tears every night. Yeah. We get the coach of the year award, but if we didn't have the guys we have, that award wouldn't even exist. So, um, you made a good point. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to see what happens. And, um, um, you know, it's always my worst day of the year as the 10th region president when I put out the all-region teams and the coach of the year. I catch poor hell, and all I do is, you know, I don't even vote. I just tally the votes and put them out, but I'm the one that catches the hell because, you know, it's don't shoot the messenger type thing, you know. Yeah. But – Well, that and I, I, I always enjoy the all-region teams because there's always, like, a head-scratcher. It makes you wonder, like, how did this person get in over this person, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, but when I watch the Pro Bowl, I, I say the same thing. How does Mac Jones make a Pro Bowl and Joe Burrow don't? Well, um, Burrow, I think, would have played in it, but obviously they've got bigger priorities. Next right, week. but I'm just talking about when the first, when the first things came out, he wasn't, he wasn't selected to a Pro Bowl. I say yeah. the same thing about the NBA All-Star game and the Major right. League Baseball. There's always going to be snubs. Right. No, you're right, and, and that's true. But, it, you know, I, I get it. And it, that's why I think it's 
it's just fun to debate about, but you know, maybe some people take it over the serious, take it a little bit too serious, but you know, well, I, it's I, just, it's just like when people see the hall of fame nominations and you know, who's selected, I'm going to get tons of emails wanting to know why so-and-so is not in well, or why, why isn't so-and-so on the ballot? Well, your school didn't nominate them. You know, that's all comes from the schools. And we had a very low turnout this year. I don't know if the schools, and I even extended it three days. I don't know if the schools felt like they didn't have anybody worthy. That's hard for me to believe that at some point in time. But we do elect a lot of people every year. And it is probably getting, you know, we talked about being watered down last week. But if I get to the point to where, you know, some of the kids that need to be nominated uh, aren't five years removed, you know. Um, but, you know, anything else, we could go on forever, you know. So do we put do we put out our own individual all region teams next week or yeah let's do that do we do that leading into the postseason or what I mean however you want to do it I'm game for it I mean um, we can do three teams we can do just fifteen players we can do I usually do three teams and then ten honorable mentions we can do that that gives and a we'll, fair representation across the region to me right and I'll I'll select at least one player from every team as well but um, right. we'll um, so three from each – so three teams and ten honorable mentions. All right, and we'll compare ours to the coaches to see if we kind of on the same wavelength, you know. Um, but, you know, and one thing I want to point out about the Coaches Association is, too, and this is something I don't let out, but, like, we only allow each coach to nominate three people. I mean – and very rarely is a coach going to vote for all three people from the same team, kind of a split votes kind of thing. So, um, but if you look at a team like GRC who may have five guys, you know, it's curious to see who coach cooks want to nominate because we only allow three. So before I catch hell from all the GRC people about why wasn't so-and-so on the all region team, maybe they'll listen and see how it's done and they'll answer their own questions. I mean, it's crazy because we don't even mention a guy like Aiden Sloan. I mean, he's going to play Division II basketball. That kid means so much to that team, and he's another one that's sacrificed a lot. He's not even averaging five shots a game. Like He may even be their most valuable player. He was last year. I guarantee you that. In the region tournament, they won region because of him. All right, let's end on our rankings real quick because I have a new number one in the 10th. No, you don't. I have a new number one in the 10th. Uh, well, I'll let I, you go first. Okay, let me pull them up here. Um, my top five hasn't changed. GRC one, Mason two, Bracken three, Harrison four, Campbell five. I bumped Augusta up. Thought, thought they had a really good week, good last two weeks. They're at six. Got Calvary Christian at seven. Um, I think only because they have a head-to-head victory over Scott. I got Brossard at nine. Montgomery at 10. I wanted to boost them up more, but it just – I couldn't quite get them over the 37 district schools. Got Robertson at 11. Bump Paris up to 12. I was pretty impressed with that Bourbon County win. Uh, moved Bourbon to 13. Pendleton at 14. Nicholas at 15. And St. Pat at 16. All right. I'm going backwards. All right. Why well, you got a new number one? Yeah. <laughs> I got St. Pat – I kept Paris down there. Yeah, they beat Bourbon, but once I heard the situation of, you know, Bourbon County and how far they've dropped, you know, I expected Paris to win that game. 
Okay. I got Nicholas Pendleton. I kept Bourbon up there. I wish I would have dropped them a little bit lower. I got Brossard at 10, then Montgomery, Calvary 8, Scott 7, Augusta. Then I've got Harrison, Campbell, Bracken, Mason, GRC. And my new number one is Mother Nature because that's the only thing that can stop GRC from winning. Good Lord, man. Let's just – we got two weeks of the regular season. Um, I I haven't seen snow in the forecast until next Thursday. So not this coming, but the next one. Knock on wood, that never comes because that would be, uh, you know, very unfortunate. Um, but, I, I, you know, let's, uh, let's just hope these teams can kind of – get their final two weeks in because obviously, you know, some certain milestones need to be hit. Kids need to have their senior nights. I think that's special to them individually and, um, you know, to the program itself and the school. So let's just hope that they can get, you know, there are a lot of games in and, and maybe be able to find a game or two to pick up so they can get ready for the postseason. But I'm telling you, the, that's that's the only team I can find in the tent that has a chance to beat Clark County or GRC as Mother Nature. So, yeah. Uh, but, hey, great week, man. Great job with Coach Henson. Appreciate him coming on. Yep. And um, with the being cold out there, the ice, make sure everybody stays tuned and stay hot.